I'm Jared. I'm Marcus. Level with us. Welcome back to Level With Us, a cozy video game discussion podcast where we play a game along with our listeners and meet back here to discuss. This week we are talking about the point-and-click adventure Deponia, which is currently on sale for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, we didn't play the whole game, but we wanted to kind of go over our first impressions of the game. So, Marcus, give us a rundown on uh, what this game is about. For sure. Yeah, it's a point-and-click adventure game, like you said. In it, you play as Rufus, an inhabitant of the junk planet Deponia, as he attempts to find a new life on the floating city known as Elysium. On his somewhat foolhardy quest, he meets an Elysian damsel in distress that he must help return home. And that's kind of the, the plot. Playing through this game kind of brought me back to the computer games that you and I grew up with uh, by Humongous Entertainment. They're the ones who made Freddy Fish and Pajama Sam and uh, Putt-Putt, of course. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my favorite is Pajama Sam 2. I I was never able to beat it as a kid because I didn't understand what a can opener looked like. Ah, yes. (laughs) But that was one of my favorite games ever, and I loved how those games had so many things you could interact with. And it was really fun to try and figure out what objects you needed to get in the world and take somewhere else. And besides those, I actually don't have a lot of experience with point-and-click adventures. But there's a lot of them that kind of follow that formula of finding things throughout the world and solving puzzles with them. I, I think it's kind of interesting to note that considering we played this on Switch, there actually is no point and there is no click. Uh, you, you know, there isn't a mouse cursor. And I actually think that they handle point-and-click interactions pretty well you walk up to a place and then if there are multiple things to interact with you can kind of toggle in between them and for each individual thing that you can interact with you can look or touch or apply a certain item to it so i i I felt like that was one of the game's strengths is i i think they mapped it out well for the switch i was pretty impressed with that as well i uh was surprised I, i i really thought you'd have to pull up a cursor on screen to pixel hunt and click around and try and figure things out but no yeah it was uh pretty simple um that you could just kind of flip in between objects and also you could press a button that would reveal all interactable objects oh really oh i didn't know that that's very nice that way you at least know what you're working with even if you don't know how to solve the problem now like adventure games are something that a lot of people consider a, a theme of the past there's not really a lot of them these days, but that used to be what computer games were, right? You've got Day of the Tentacle and, uh, like I said, the Humongous Entertainment games, and then, of course, the classics like Monkey Island and, and some of those. But that being said, I think this game makes a case for those types of games still having a, a place today. I, I was quite enjoying exploring the world and talking to characters and uh, a big part of that was the writing and the voice acting in this game I thought were really great. Which, um, I don't know, I, this type of game kind of lives or dies with that. You know, I, play, I love Mario Sunshine. I think the voice acting isn't very good in that game. But it doesn't really matter because it's like a 3D platformer. But for a point-and-click adventure where it's all about the story and you're invested with it, you know, if it has really terrible voice acting and not that funny lines, mm-hmm. it, it can be hard to stay engaged. Right. But I, I quite liked the humor in this game. 
Well, we've already kind of been touching on what we've enjoyed about this game, but let's do some star pieces. This is the part of the show where we talk about something unique or something interesting that we found in our gameplay. For me, I would say I actually really liked the little character animations. Um, you know, they're very simple, just kind of the animation of him putting something in his inventory or walking around town, but these are things you're going to see repeatedly. And uh, I, I think they have a, a certain choppy charm to them. Uh, like I said, it really brought me back to playing Pajama Sam. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I kind of liked the animations. What about you? Yeah, I appreciate whenever there is a line of dialogue that connects the item you're trying to use with the object you're trying to apply it to, even if it's the wrong choice. Oh, uh, yeah. Th there's a name for it, I think, in other video games where it's kind of like a, you can't use this here, you know, like where it'll just give you generic lines of dialogue. But I, I found most of the things that I tried to do, if there was some logic I thought to it, the character would pick up on the logic and be like, oh, I could do that, but I shouldn't because of this reason. Or, oh, I shouldn't burn that. I need it for this. Or, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, th those are little details, but I appreciate it when the dialogue sort of fills out what the actual moment-to-moment -moment gameplay is, which is a lot of trial and error. So... I, I appreciate voiced lines for mistakes, if that makes sense. That's a great star piece. I think that shows the writing team going the extra mile when they include a piece of dialogue or a joke when you try and do something that you shouldn't, that won't <laughs> progress the story. Right. Well, and I think that those give the writers the opportunity to kind of like redirect you to what you should be doing. That's true. Yeah. And granted, I didn't necessarily play far enough to know if this is consistent, if they really covered their bases. But for most of my experience, it was pretty on point. Well, for every star piece, there is also a quick jab. Uh, jab, jab. Quick jabs is where we air our grievances, but only briefly. So for me, my quick jab would be uh, more of a, a genre problem in general. Uh, it's not just this game. I, I want to acknowledge that. It's not just Deponia being bad. This is something that most adventure games struggle with, and that is just uh, getting stuck. Early in the game, they want you to make coffee to wake somebody up, but you need certain ingredients. But there wasn't a lot of obvious places to find those ingredients. Um, now, you could ask certain characters where to find those things, but even so, I got stuck a lot, and there were certain solutions to certain problems that required combining certain items in your inventory, and there's a lot of your inventory. You have a big inventory in this game. So, again, this is kind of a genre thing, but adventure games are really easy to get stuck in. Uh, I think a, a well-designed puzzle in an adventure game is a very hard thing to do without aggravating a player. We all have our own internal logic. We're like, oh, this makes sense, and then it doesn't work, and then we just don't know what to do except look up a walkthrough. Right. And uh, I've stated before, I don't like games that require looking up walkthroughs, but sure, that happens to me a lot with point-and-clicks. You know, I, I actually looked something up. Point-and-click adventure games are kind of infamous for these like really esoteric solutions to puzzles. Um, TV Tropes has a page for it and a title for it. It calls it Moon Logic Puzzles, I guess, in the, the sense that logic is out there. You know, like just... And there's a specific answer to a puzzle that has kind of been the, the quintessential example of that from the Monkey Island games. I think maybe the second one. Jared, tell me if you've heard of this, but there's a puzzle where you need a wrench and you have a monkey and 
you use the monkey as a wrench because get it it's a monkey wrench ha cha cha and so it's like does not make sense there are no immediate clues in the vicinity to lead you that direction and it's very funny and clever for someone who figures it out but for the vast majority of people they're not thinking about visual puns when they're trying to solve a problem so have you ever heard of that before i have heard that there was like an infamous puzzle that a lot of people got stuck on with that game uh, and I, I think I did hear it involved a monkey, but yeah, thank you for informing me in case I ever play those games. Do you have a quick job? Yeah, um, not a huge fan of the plot pacing. I felt like it didn't necessarily have a really strong first act. You know, obviously I haven't gone all the way through and, it, you know, it could pick up and I don't want to uh, prematurely judge it, but seemed uh, a little slow, but you know. There didn't quite seem to be a, a major inciting incident. Um, you know, Rufus tries and leaves the town. He ends up falling back into the town. In a way, it feels like he's kind of back to square one from the opening part of the game. And to me, that makes it feel like the tutorial is just extended mm -hmm. in a way. Sure. So it almost doesn't feel like the game where the plot even started. Is that kind of what you're suggesting? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think of like Spy Fox, uh, Cry Over Spilled Milk where you start with like this really funny interaction with Spy Fox in a plane opening up his TV dinner and inside the TV dinner is his message if you choose to accept it then he immediately jumps outside the plane he's just falling down casually and he doesn't have a parachute and so like instantly you know what this guy is even if you've never heard of James Bond you know the vibe instantly and it's funny, and it's engaging, and it's action-packed. In this one, you spend the first, for me, like 30 minutes of the game packing his suitcase. So, uh, I, you know, it could have been quicker if I was smarter, probably. <laughs> but for me, I was like, I wonder if they could have started with more of exciting stuff. Yeah, I can totally get behind that. Well, before we move on, I think uh, it would be a good idea to go ahead and give some recommendations for other games in the genre. Reggie, if you please. How about this instead? Uh, a very recent point-and-click adventure that's um, pretty famous for being one of the most successful Kickstarters ever was uh, Broken Age by Double Fine. And uh, it's pretty simple. It has two concurrent storylines, uh, a boy and a girl in different worlds that you have to point and click and help them progress through their own stories. It's very, it, it kind of strips down a lot of the complexity of past point and click adventures where you have multiple verbs to make your character do certain things. And instead it's just grabbing things in your inventory, talking with people, putting stuff together, etc. Uh, but they do it very well. And I really like the overall story for that game. I like the mystery of it. It ticks all the boxes for me. I think the writing and voice acting are excellent. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a good time. I highly recommend checking out Broken Age. That is an excellent recommendation. Um, for mine, if there's a person who likes Deponia, uh, you're in luck because there are actually several Deponia games. This is the first in a series, a franchise. So That is true. I would recommend you know, trying those out. I haven't tried them myself, but if you play this game or try out this game or try out other point-and-click adventure games and weren't quite vibing with them, I would maybe recommend Machinarium. You play as a little robot, there is no dialogue. I definitely got pretty stuck late in the game, but it's a good point-and-click adventure game 
that's really focused on puzzles because there's no dialogue, you know, like there, there's a little bit of communication, cutscene kind of stuff, but it's very focused on puzzle. Um, and it, but it, even though it's focused on puzzle, it does have a through line. It has a, a beginning, middle, and end to a story. So that was also cool too for me to discover. So um, yeah, in terms of general aesthetic as well as puzzle design, I would uh, recommend giving Machinarium a try. Machinarium is great. I really want to finish that game someday. I think I'm just partway through. Well, cool. Uh, let's go ahead and do the Reaper review. This is the quiz segment of our podcast where Marcus and I try and stump each other with nerdy trivia questions. Marcus, uh, yeah. the floor is yours. Oh, the floor is mine. Hey, so Jared, when you beat this game, a thing that neither of us have done, there is a special mode. I don't expect you to know this, so you will get multiple choice, but there's a special mode where it replaces all dialogue and all subtitles with a single nonsense word that is an inside joke from a previous point-and-click adventure game made by this studio. Wow. So, I want you to tell me which of these nonsense words replaces literally all dialogue. Is it Droggle Jug, Ruffle Snips, Gruzzle Frubs, Snubble Dwip, or Piffle Blug? I'm going to need those again, Marcus. Really? I thought it yes. was pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> no, okay. I, don't, I don't remember half of what you just said. Is it Droggle Jug, Ruffle Snibs, Gruzzle Frubs, Snubble Dwip, or Piffle Blug? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, oh no. I'm I'm going off of not what I think the studio would have done. But, but what rather, you think what I would make up? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go with the first option, which is Droggle Snub. Droggle Jug? Droggle Jug. That's what I'm going to go with. Spelled D-R-O-G-G-E-L-J-U-G. That word? Yes, that word. is. Am, am I right? <laughs> You are. That's wild. Yes. That, that is <laughs> oh, fantastic. Man. Is it because all the other ones sound like Marcus words? I don't know why, Marcus. <sighs> Lucky guess. But here's the thing. Mine are also three-syllable words with uh, da-da-ba. Anyway, I tried, to, I tried to emulate the word. In a few episodes from now, I'm going to quiz you, and I'm going to say, Hey, Marcus, here are the words you tried to stump me with. Snuffle drubs, wimble bimble, you know, just kind of list off some words and make you sweat and think, which ones did I write? I don't know. Uh, I would love that. That would be so fun. Well, well, well played. Well played. All right. Well, my Reaper review question is, right at the start of the game, what are three of the four objects Rufus wants to pack into his suitcase? Okay, I actually do think I can do this. Toothbrush, bolt cutters, uh, rations, wasabi peas specifically, and clean socks. Those are all four. Hey, four for four. Well done. Hey. Let's share the victory together this week, Marcus. Yay. Huzzah. We have just enough time left to get into rabbit holes. <laughs> Rabbit Holes is the part of the show where we get to deviate a bit from our main discussion and recommend something that we experienced or uh, viewed or interacted with this week. Marcus, what rabbit hole did you fall down? A YouTuber named Chris Ramsey. Uh, I enjoy his videos. He seems to have two kind of main things he does content on. One of them is magic and magic tricks. He'll do tutorials and 
card tricks, stuff like that. And then also he reviews and solves puzzles, uh, like tactile puzzles. They take them apart or other things like that. Uh, those happen to be two things that I enjoy quite a bit. Um, and there's almost kind of a, a satisfying aspect to seeing someone's hands just work on a little object and figure out a puzzle. Even if it takes like 15 minutes to seeing him slowly progress to figuring out how the tumblers work and uh, a puzzle uh, is fun. And I, I'd recommend him to, to people who, I don't know, like puzzles or like magic or like magic puzzles or like puzzle magic. What's your favorite video that he's done? One that I watched recently that I thought was cool was a lot of times people will make puzzles for him since, you know, he has like 5 million subscribers. And his friend made one where the camera can see everything within a box, but he can see nothing in it because he's like reaching around it. And that was very interesting to kind of just see from the very beginning how the puzzle was designed in its entirety and then seeing him like navigate it tactily as a person who's like sort of made my own escape rooms kind of discount puzzle box type stuff it was kind of cool to see that and if i'm being honest now i want to make one of those so <laughs> yeah very cool uh my rabbit hole this week was a movie i recently revisited uh marcus and i have a younger sister who was away for a year and a half on a mission for our church and uh, when she got back, she had a list of movies she had not seen yet that she wanted to uh, revisit with us. And uh, one that I watched with her today, actually, is called Wolf Walkers. And it's by the animation studio Cartoon Saloon. All of the films they make are, are kind of based on fairy tales and folk tales from Ireland. And uh, their, their art style is just beautiful. Um, they draw these animals and these wolves with lots of sketch lines um so it, it's 2d hand-drawn animation but you you still see kind of the roughness of when they first started animating it and i think that's a really interesting artistic choice they do other cool things as well with perspective and with framing uh and it's a movie that i love dearly it's actually one of my favorite films from the past couple of years and it's something i recommend people check out it's on apple tv plus so you might have to do a, a free trial to view it but I promise you won't be disappointed. I really, really like it. Yeah, this has been on my list for a while. I still have not watched it, but I have heard really, really good things about it. And I've loved what I've seen from that studio thus far. Yeah, come over and watch it with me. I'm down to go for a third time. <laughs> Dope. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you, Marcus, as always, for joining me. Next week, we're going to be talking about the Diamond and Pearl remakes and uh, for that episode, I will be bringing on a special guest. So, Marcus, you're off the hook next week. Uh, hooray! What are you going to do with all that free time? Uh, catch up on uh, more video games, probably. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, if anyone has any uh, feedback that they'd like to give us, or maybe some quick jabs or star pieces on Pokemon or a future game we're covering... Go ahead and email us at levelwithuspodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us on Twitter at LVLWithUs. Until then, I'm Jared. I'm Marcus. And we'll level with you next time.
It's funny you mentioned Spy Fox because as an audio engineer, I work with a lot of different voice actors for various projects. And uh, I was doing this one with uh, an actor named Mike Mattioy. And uh, he's he's got a great voice. He's really great to work with. I'm, I'm always really happy whenever I get to do a session with him. Uh, the thing we were working on was a very boring uh, training video for like a robot on an assembly line type of thing. Here's what you do. Press the start arrow to begin. You know, just kind of... Mm. It, was, it was pretty, pretty dry. Yeah, exactly. It was pretty dry. Um, but we had a little time before we got started. And so I just started chatting with him about... Because I knew he had voiced uh, Falco in one of the Star Fox games. Hey. And so we were chatting about that. And then eventually that kind of... Uh, I was like, oh, do you play the games that you, you voice in? And he's like, yeah, you know, I've played a couple of them with my son. Um, and I was like, what about Spy Fox? Because I knew he did the voice for Spy Fox. He did the voice for Spy Fox! He did, yeah. And uh, he he's like, those were the most fun <laughs> voice sessions he's ever done. He said he loved coming up with that voice. He's like, in his head, he's like, this is what a spy sounds like. And he said that like every line he did, everyone in the recording room just cracked up. Even if it was just something simple like, I seem to have left my keys on the table. You know, just like <laughs> things like that. Just the cadence of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that was that was really fun to uh, to chat with him about that. The, the sad thing about it, though, was he did the voice of the of Spy Fox for, I think, the first two Spy Fox games. And then in the third game, they replaced him with one of the programmers of the game who could do a decent impression of his voice Wild. so maybe maybe to cut costs or something he he told That's me he's crazy. like i have no idea why they didn't call me back he's like but i was pretty disappointed i really enjoyed doing that character <laughs> the things so you weird. learn when you chat with people about games they recorded for decades ago <laughs> behind the scenes of a game where there are probably very few people who remember it as fondly and as much as we do yeah 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 exactly <laughs> 